Well, hello, everybody. It is May 23rd, and welcome to your post-PGA Championship version of the Ticket to Rider podcast. I'm Rich Pollan. And this is Stacey Ham, And uh, we're coming to you uh, with, this, with our weekly podcast about all things uh, international competition, focused, of course, on the Ryder Cup. But also, uh, we talk about really all other international competitions in the world of golf, and of course, the, the week-to-week activities, which color and shape those competitions. Stacy, well, uh, what yeah. was your what was your weekend like? How did you how did you enjoy your weekend watching uh, the Wanamaker Wanamaker Cup uh, contested? Well, on Saturday I did a charity event, the MS walk. My company has a drug called Ocrevus for MS patients and I did that walk. Came home, I rode uh, like 50 I rode my bike over to Portland and Mississippi down to Mississippi. I had a couple beers and a burger and rode back seven and a half miles. So I did 15 miles on my bike, watched the PGA championship when I got home. And then Sunday, I golfed in the morning. It was great golf with a bunch of work people. Uh, did not play well. I shot like 85. It was terrible, but it was fun. And then I watched the PGA and I watched the PGA. And that was it. That was my weekend in a nutshell. What about yours, Rich? Uh, I, you know, you know, Stacey, this was the anniversary weekend of my dad's passing. And, uh, I really just tried to take care of my mom this weekend, made sure yeah, that my that's mom, awesome. yeah. made sure that my mom was not alone on, we went, we took, uh, I went to a playground with, uh, with the kids on Saturday and then, uh, took everybody out to, out to, uh, what did we do? Dinner or lunch, lunch, dinner. We had lunch and dinner. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's right. We went to, we went to, uh, cousin Stevie's house on Saturday and had a oh. nice, uh, noodles and dumpling dinner, uh, from a, from a so new good. Taiwanese restaurant in Selwood called Weiwei's, which was quite good. And then Sunday, we wow. went, did you know there was a rhododendron garden in Portland? Uh, yes, but where is the rhododendron garden? It's, it's in South, it's by Reed college, uh, also in that kind of oh. Selwood neighborhood. Oh yes, there is. Yes. I, it's, you know, so as you're finishing one of the holes on the back nine East of Moreland. Uh, East Moreland, you walk right by the you walk right by the uh, the garden. Yes, That's there right. were a lot of people there on Sunday. There were a lot of people there, and yeah, were you? Were you? Is that where you played? Yes, I played at East Moreland, so I walked right by the That's garden. Funny. I was what I golfed what? at seven fifty. Oh. I golfed at seven fifty, so I probably crossed it by two hours, ten, ten o'clock, probably nine fifty. No, we can't get anybody out the door. We can't get little kids out the door by then. We were that would have been funny because yeah, they, you know, we had a big group. We had uh, you know two older older ladies, including my mom, and then some younger people, and then a lot of kids. And I was the only male person in that group who wasn't five or younger. And after a while of looking at rhododendrons, I wanted to watch people play golf. I was really, yeah. I was on my phone watching, you know, uh, how the tournament was going. It was early in the, early in the final round. And, uh, well, I would have much yeah. rather watched people play golf. It would have been really funny if I had seen you out there playing yeah. golf. Well, you didn't want to see me on that par three. It's a short par three, number six, 17. I, uh, deposit one right in the front of the water. I had the, I had the number is right on the stick, but it's a little short. So did, I'm did sure you there were any, people laughing over there. Did you hit any ducks? There were a lot of ducks out there. No, I missed the ducks, but I found the damn water. It was terrible, but it was fun. Uh, and then we, we got to plan a golf outing one of these times. Yeah, and then we went to. Have, have you ever been to Reverend's Barbecue? Uh yes, I've been there. It's good. It, it was actually quite good. I thought it was. It's better. right down in Selwood, right? It's in Selwood. I thought it was better than. Yep. I thought it was better than other. Uh, uh, barbecue places I've been to in Portland. I, I actually thought it was quite yeah. good. Yeah, it's very good. Actually, I went there one night with our friend Tim. Gotcha. He was single then. Well, I thought he's I still single. Never single. Well, he's yeah. got a couple of fat ones, but. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So I wound up, I, I don't know about you. I wound up watching the end of the tournament at Reverend's on my phone. And what, how, what ESPN Plus does, because it, it's strange, Stacy. So I, I recorded the, I recorded the tournament so I could watch it later. But Verizon Xfinity 
doesn't let you watch normal channels unless you're at home. Uh, so I was watching the ESPN. It makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. ESPN Plus showed the group that was Zalatoris and Young. And, when, oh. and at the end, after Zalatoris and Young you know, putted out on 18 and Zalatoris makes his putt and, and comes in at five under, I switched over to the Sirius XM coverage and listened to that. For the rest of the for the rest of the way. So on Sundays, ESPN Plus they don't play the because I had ESPN Plus all week and I didn't listen to it. I listened to it in the morning, but they don't have the feature group and then the other group or no. They had the feature group, but they don't have the the main feed like they do on Thursday and Friday. They have the main right. feed. So as I was, in is it my because office, they can't because of CBS? The CBS has the coverage. Is that why? Oh, <laughs> that's right. Okay. So on Thursday and Friday, when I'm sitting in my office between patients, I'm watching the main feed. But on Saturday and Sunday, when I wasn't at home, uh, <coughs> I was watching featured groups. So Saturday, the featured group was Justin Thomas and Bubba Watson, and they were both, you know, not good on Saturday. Uh, not good. And then on Sunday, I was watching Will Zalatoris and Cameron Young because I thought that was going to be where the challenge came out of uh, from Pereira. But you know, J Justin Thomas puts on his charge and, and winds up, you know, tying tying Pereira on the uh, 17th hole and uh, eventually of course going on going on to win the tournament boy it was nervy is it i felt bad for emito perez Pereira is a good player i mean he won three times on a corn Ferry tour he graduated to the corn Ferry tour with i think will zalatoris and cameron young were in the same class he's a good player he came down to one hole and I know there's a lot of stuff going on social media where they're saying, well, get rid of the caddy. That McGinnis guy's a good caddy. You know, it was just an awkward swing on 18, Rich. I don't, I saw it and I'm like, hmm, where did that? I hadn't seen the swing from him like that all week. Yeah, it looked like it, an, it, just, it looked like an amateur swing, really. It looked like it, it's nerves, right? I mean, he even said it. And what a cool guy he talked about. It. They asked him a question. Amanda Renner, right? The UNC uh, tag-along girl, Amanda Renner asked him about it. And he was like, well, you know what happens to getting your nerves? He goes, your body changes. He goes, it was really interesting. So he's going to win. I mean, Zalatoris is definitely going to win. But Zalatoris' putting is not good from five feet. From the long putts, he's good. But I did you see that last putt he took, Rich, on the playoff uh, to make one of those? They showed a view of him taking the putter back. I've never seen a guy take the putter back like that on a short putt. It's like so outside and inside. It's a weird putting stroke. Yeah, well, it, I mean, inside five feet, he is not good putting. Inside eight feet, he is not good, actually. He hit a couple, I mean, he hit a clutch one on 18, but he missed. He made a clutch one on 18. But he missed uh, a short one, what, on on 16, that, you know, he really should have made that putt. He made a, he made a, fantastic, sh a, a fantastic recovery shot to get in position to par 16, and then missed, what, about a five-footer and didn't really, you know, he missed it badly. Uh, I mean, the good thing about this tournament is the course is hard, difficult. I mean, I was listening to some guys this morning on uh, Paulson guys this morning on uh, you know Golf Channel and and Sirius, and they were saying, man, they were like, no amateur knows how it is to try to hold a five iron up against the wind and a, on a par three that's playing two hundred and some odd yards on a Sunday. And the guys like, it's hard. He goes, if he had to play that course, he goes from the tees that he would play from. He goes, he shoot a hundred out there. He goes, that course is so hard. And he goes, just, just kudos to what those guys can really do out there. It's funny. I, you know, I think amongst the better players, the reaction to the course was positive. Because, you know, very yeah. few of these guys were, were playing in 2007 when the tournament was last year. I mean, Tiger, Tiger was there. Uh, you know, I, I haven't gone back to look at the 2007 roster uh, of players, but I'm sure like Stuart Sink played in 2007 and Lee Westwood and probably Justin Rose, Ian Poulter, yeah. those guys. But, you know, the vast majority of this field was not active in 2007. So th this is a new course. They don't play a regular tournament here. They haven't played any kind of special events at Southern Hills. And it's a tough course. And there were, and maybe that's why the younger guys, the guys that had never played there, play so well, right? Because it's new for everyone. But, you know, and I, maybe, yeah. I, the, the, the established players, the Rory's and, and, you know, all had wonderful things to say about the course. They said, you know, Hey, when conditions are, are bad, when the, when the winds, when the wind, you know, uh, uh, sweeps down the plane, 
so to speak, in Oklahoma, it's going to be a really tough course, but the actual course itself is beautiful. But I did see some comments by some of the other guys, some you know more journeyman guys who didn't like it at all. Really? I thought it was, everyone said it played fair. It played fair, just hard, which is the way it should be, right? Let me see if I can find it. The guy I, the, the, the guy I can remember was Patton Kazire. Had a, I'm looking right now. Woody Austin, so Woods won. Woody Austin came in second. Ernie Ills, third. Aaron Oberhauser, uh, fourth. John Sinden, fifth. Tied for fourth. Ogilvie, fifth. Uh, Immelman was up there. Yeah, so good good group of guys, good group of players. Pat and Kazire, pitiful golf on a pitiful setup on an overrated golf course. Really? Well, yeah. what did he shoot? That's the problem. Only 10 players are under par for this tournament, so... No somebody, wonder he's uh, somebody says, well, LOL, Patton Kazire has two career wins on the tour since 2008, and he has the audacity to criticize Southern Hills after the course destroyed him. What a loser! <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, seriously, he's really he really said that. That's interesting. And then, yeah, then somebody so yeah. else says, says he shows a video of Patton Kazire missing a short putt and then breaking his putter over his knee and then saying, oh, and then saying, obviously Patton Kazire's comments are legitimate. He has a, he has proven that he is an even, even keeled level headed. Every man. I take his comments as honest, sober analysis. <laughs> I mean, Rich, your, your, your mom and dad live there. I mean, just tell me about this club. Who do, who do they let in this club? Is it a, I mean, it's a, obviously a nice club. They change it a lot. I mean, Tulsa is what? How many? How many? What's the population of Tulsa? Tulsa is, I guess, what we would call a double A city, meaning you okay. know the population is is probably about four or five hundred thousand people. Stacy, it is the, you know, Tulsa is known, on you know these days. Unfortunately, you know now that we remember it for for the uh, for the race riots. Uh, That's right. At, yeah. the, at the turn of the century, where Tulsa had become a very thriving African American community, really, really, the the most prominent ac African American community, you know, in America at the time, more than Atlanta, more than Chicago, and you know, the KKK basically came in and wiped out the black population, and there was very little when when we lived there evidence of any kind of you know African American or any immigrant culture in Tulsa. Now that being said. It's the friendliest place I've ever been to. Everybody's freaking nice really? there. Everybody is nice in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Did your parents like living there or they just yes. live there? What, I mean, yes. No, my parents they, liked it there. My parents thought it was a wonderful place. They made wonderful friends. They had a lot of expatriates from the East Coast who they liked. There, was, there were good okay. restaurants. There was fashion. There was symphony. Uh, when our friend Steve Carlstrom lived there, he said that there was a music right. scene. There was an alternative music scene. I actually think Tulsa is a pretty cool place. And, and, you know, I, I actually found, you know, Tulsa in, in my time there to be less, you know, racist, anti-Semitic than say places I'd lived in the South, places like Louisiana, which I found to be, you know, very racist. Uh, I tell you, we should have gone to, we should have gone to Tulsa. We could have hung out with Steve's friend. What's his name? Comes here all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, Kirk. Kurt, Kurt, we would, he would probably set us up there. Well, I don't know if anything good, but he would have set us up. So. We could have been on the boat with Kirk. We could have and, been on and, the and all those and all those women who, who don't let him kiss, don't let them uh, <laughs> him kiss them. Yeah, they travel. They make him pay for everything, but they don't kiss them. They don't kiss him. Yeah, I like Kirk. We got to see that guy again. Hopefully, he comes I like, I like Kirk too. You know, uh, it's it's sad. This is a friend of our friend Steve Carlstrom's and his. His mom and his his sister had terminal cancer. She was a she was a doctor in town, and she died. And then his mom died within, you know, months of one another. It was very sad. Yeah, sad. And he comes every yeah. once in a while to see his his nieces and nephews. Yep. Yeah, I talked to Steve a couple of weeks ago, trying to give him some uh, some of my concert tickets, but he was wasn't able to go. All right, so let's 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 get a little bit more in depth in, into into the PGA. So uh, this was one of those tournaments. One of the amazing things about Justin Thomas winning this tournament is this was one of those tournaments with an extreme uh, variance between the two groups. The group that started early on Thursday and played late on Friday had 
a several shot advantage over the group that played late on Thursday and early on Friday because the weather was much better Thursday morning and it, and it died down on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was interesting weather there, Rich. It was warm. Then it was cool. And you know, that the temperatures, I mean, Tiger wasn't good on Saturday. I mean, it was cold when he started, but it was cool. The temperatures were not that warm. Yesterday was pretty nice, but, the, the two days in the middle, man, it was not nice for those players. It was a tough go. And it was, it was not nice there. on Thursday afternoon. It was nice Thursday morning, and it kind of calmed down Friday afternoon. It kind of calmed down a little bit Saturday late, uh, which is, I think, why why there were some you know some some good scores kind of late on late on uh, on Saturday. But yeah, uh, you know, and Sunday was a Sunday was a reasonably scorable day. But I mean, the best scores came. Uh, on uh, the morning of of uh, Thursday, uh, guys like Mito Pereira shot shot, uh, or, or, or excuse me, or late on yeah. on Friday. So Mito Pereira yeah. shot sixty four in the second round, uh, playing on Friday afternoon. Uh, and that's interesting too, because like you said, the conditions, the, the wind laid down. But the last round, I mean, this just shows, Rich, what happens with nerves, right? They always say uh, pressure burst pipe. I mean, this guy shot 68, 64 on Saturday, on third Friday, 69 on Saturday, and 75 yesterday. Yeah. I mean, is it really that course really 11 strokes between uh, the second round and the third round? Because no. second round, the conditions were about the same, right? No, I think I think it probably played easier on on Saturday than it did on uh, excuse me easier on Sunday than it did on sa- on Saturday. Yeah. the conditions were better. So, so it's definitely pressure, right? I mean, he shoots uh, fourteen strokes lower on Saturday than he did on Sunday, and he shoots fifteen strokes lower on or eleven strokes lower on uh you know the following day. Well, maybe not. I shot nine strokes lower on the third round and eleven strokes lower on the on the second round. So, so for people who aren't, who, for people again who aren't who aren't initiated, so Mito Pereira is a guy we've talked about on this show because he has been a viable candidate for the President's Cup. He's a he's a young Chilean golfer, a couple years older than Joaquin Neiman. They kept showing pictures of those two together as junior golfers, and Pereira was a couple years older and much kind of taller and bigger. And they're coached by the same. They have the same coach. You can tell by the contortion move where they you know on their swings, very similar. And and Pereira, where, where did he play college golf? He played college golf in the states. Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Texas right. Tech. Texas Tech. Yep. And but unlike Joaquin Neiman, who was kind of seen immediately as as a star, Pereira had to work his way up through the Corn Ferry. But last year, he gained automatic promotion by winning three tournaments on the Corn Ferry Tour. And he's yeah, he's he, he played well at the Olympics and has played. You know, he hasn't won anything, but he's played well all all year. And again, we've talked about him as a possible contender for the President's Cup team, uh, although until this week he was not in top twelve position. I think he, I think he makes it now, right? I mean, I think there's a good chance. He gets the, does, does he make the does it make the U.S. Open for this? Be in the top ten? Not not really. You have to be ranked in the how? You have to be ranked in the top six to make the U.S. Open. I know, I know he makes the Masters by finishing in the top five, and he comes back next year to the. PGA Championship, right? And he comes back next year to the PGA Championship. I think the top ten get to come back. Uh, so uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting. The, the the three kind of rookies on tour who we've talked about all year as being very impressive all played well in this tournament. So those are Mito Pereira, Cameron Young. They tied third. And Davis Riley t- was tied 13th. Those are the kind of the rookies this year who have looked most impressive so far. And Will Zalatoris is not a rookie, but you know he's you know a young guy on tour. So those are those are four young talents who really shone brightly this week. Yeah, I mean, if Cameron Young did, and Zalatoris is starting to be. I mean, they keep playing the way they are. They're going to be Ryder Cupers one day, right? Well, we'll talk about the standings. Uh, for the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup in a little bit, but let's 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 go to the winner, okay? Because this has been a long time coming. Justin Thomas has been consistently top ten in the world for the last what seven or eight years now. Yeah. He's yep. not yet thirty years old, and he's won. This is his fifteenth tour victory. He's well on his way to twenty, which is you know lifetime membership, right? 
And yep. he's already, as, as somebody on the Golf Channel said yesterday, if he doesn't hit another golf swing for the rest of his life, he's a Hall of Famer. 15 wins and two majors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing, right? It really is. He ties, I mean, he he ties, he ties, he ties John Mahaffey's record for the biggest come-from-behind victory. He shot, you know, he shoots a 67 on Sunday after shooting 74 and, and basically, you know, playing himself out of the tournament. He, he goes 67-67. He's a couple shots behind Zalatoris, but, you know, I think he was three shots behind going into Saturday, and I think everybody would have said, you know, hey, Justin, this is Justin Thomas's tournament. Then he goes and shoots 74 in relatively benign conditions on Saturday, uh, and, you know, now he's seven shots out of the lead. And it's not it's like amazing. And it's not like he starts Sunday. You know, he pars one and two, bogeys three, fours a birdie hole, pars that. Six is incredible up and down on six. I've never seen it up and down like that. Five, he birdies I, a par five. Then incredible up and down to save bogey on six. You know, after after yeah. I mean he shanked he shanked the ball, right? Yeah. I think the hole he shanked it on. I mean there were only two there were only two sixty sevens that day. And he was one of the sixty-seven guys. So at that point, he's one over one over par. Or, yeah, one over par for the day, through six holes. He's gone. He's out of it. Well, then he he birdies nine. Birdies the tough eleventh. This this course has, I think, some of the hardest par threes that you're yeah. that you're ever going to see. Birdies twelve. Doesn't birdie thirteen. Doesn't birdie the other par five. And then kind of hangs in there and pars everything up to 17, which is a birdie hole because they moved the tees up. Uh, and he actually had a, had an eagle putt on 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 17. And then the shot he hits on 18 to have a chance to go six under par. What a what an amazing shot on one of the hardest holes again yeah. that you're ever going to find the 18th the 18th at Southern Hills, which is 500 yards uphill. I mean, he only had 169 or something to the pin. I tell you, and the thing is. You know, he that putt, he should have made that putt. He hasn't been putting great all season, but that was a, kind of an easy putt. So I was listening today, and they were asking, at the interview, they were interviewing Justin Thomas, and they asked me, they said, well, have you talked to Tiger? They're, he was like, yeah, Tiger sent me a text on Saturday saying that I'm sad because you're not on the, up on the leaderboard. And then they asked him, they said, hey, have, after your win, do you talk to Tiger? He goes, oh, I'm sure he'll call me. Uh, we'll talk tonight, but he'll tell me. He goes, what, did you, what do you think he'll say? He goes, well, he's going to say, you shouldn't have shanked that ball. You should have made the putt on 18, and you should not have gone in the playoffs. He goes, he, they were like, are those the things he's going to say? He goes, yes, that's what I would expect <laughs> to hear from him. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny, right? That's, that's hilarious. That's, that sounds like what Tiger would say. It sounds like what Tiger would say, yeah. So, so Pereira, just to get, you know, Pereira's day, he started the day with a three-shot lead, and unlike Justin Thomas, through six holes, he's even par. He bogey, he bogeyed three, birdies five, and he's, you know, he's stable at nine under par. And then, then the wheels came off, Stacy. He bogeys seven and eight, bogeys 12, comes back and birdies the par five 13th, then bogeys 14, and 15, 16, and 17. Man, he's, he's holding on for dear life. I mean, 17, he missed a putt that he, sh that, you know, he probably should have made to birdie the hole. Uh, yep. uh, in fact, that that shot, I mean, he missed by an inch. I mean, that's a game of inches, right? It's a game of inches, yep. That hard, but, Rich, just think, on 18, he's got a one-stroke lead. This guy's a great driver, accurate accurate driver of the ball. Just hit three-wood way down. He probably hit the three-wood almost 300 yards. Just hit that down there, and you hit a ball on the green. And your second shot, if you miss, at least you're going to get bogey and make the playoff. I, I You know, I think you got to, like, you got to take a step back, man. This is like once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, these chances don't come around. These opportunities don't come around, come around very much. See, so I think at that point, you know, if you got to get calm down, take a couple deep breaths and say, Hey, look, this is what we need to hit the three wood down as far as you can and miss left in the rough. And you got an easy shot up there, maybe 180 yards shot up, which for these, these days, that's an eight or nine iron for most of these players with the adrenaline. Right. So now it's easy. And if you come out of the rough, you get a flyer. So you hit an eight iron and hit it up there on the green. So I don't understand it. Well, I think if he had a two-shot lead, he would have definitely done that. But, you know, it's hard. That's a tough hole. What was – 18 was playing as a, as a what, about a 4.3, 4.3, uh, 4.4. Yeah. 
that's a hard hole. And if you're not in position that's off the tee, hole. you know, you're not going to get, you're not guaranteeing yourself a par. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still think he hit three wood. He hits it far enough. He only has to hit it 300 yards. He still has a 190 in. Get it in the rough over there and give yourself a shot uphill. And then you either win or lose that way. And you, or you get in the playoff, right? He, by hitting the water, he got, he took himself out of the playoff. You only want a chance, right? The aggregate score as well, but you just want a chance to be in the playoff. So, but there's a lot of things going on. And then and this is where these experienced caddies really help. But McGinnis is a good cat. His caddy's a really good caddy. But I just think you got to, this is the once in a lifetime opportunity to win one of these big tournaments. He also, come seemed, very much. he also seemed to be looking at his caddy because he, you know, what's the chance after he's lying, what, his third shot? after taking the penalty goes over the green and he's lying three with a chip to win the tournament, right? He still has a chip yeah. to win the tournament. And of course, you know, it's low probability to make the chip, but if he gets up and down, he's in the playoff and he was really looking at his caddy after he botched the chip. I mean, that was a terrible chip and, and I'm sure nerves had something to do with it, but I yeah. don't know if he got bad advice from his caddy or he was just, I, I mean, he, the, the guy really did take the high road in the interviews afterwards. Yeah, and they haven't been together very long. But I think as a caddy in that point, if I'm here, hey, this is a once in life an opportunity. Hit the shot you can hit out there. If it's the cut driver in the left and the rough over there, it's fine. Or if it's three wood and you hit it in the fairway and you still leave yourself 200 yards, you're a great iron player. You can get it up and down, and you can still get in the play. If you miss the bogey putt, you still make it into the playoff. You know, if you miss the birdie putt, the par putt, you still make it in the playoff. So I don't know. There's a lot of things going on, but it could be man. But I guess when you're in heat of the moment, it's different, right? Yep. Well, Will Zalatoris, he had a, he had a, a, I thought he had a great round for a young guy on Sunday. He birdies four and five, which are both birdie holes. Then bogeys six and seven, goes back to even par. Bogeys the par four twelfth. Bogeys 16, which was a bad, I mean, he had a bad putt to bogey 16. Then he comes back and makes a clutch putt on 17 and another clutch putt on 18. Yeah, I mean that guy's a real stud. He he's a stud, right? And he I didn't mean, lose. The, really and he stud. didn't lose the playoff. You know, Justin no, Thomas won. Justin the playoff. Thomas beat him. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Justin Thomas was out of position off the tee on the on the thirteenth, the first playoff hole, and he laid, hell of a shot. laid up and made a hell of a shot to save birdie. You know, Zalatoris was was you know he hit two beautiful shots and had a very credible eagle putt, and then on the second hole, you know, it's that's the drivable par four. Zalatoris basically hit it where he did in regulation, just didn't hit quite as good of a chip and missed a putt he probably should have made, but he still pars it. Yeah. And then on 18, they basically trade pars, and that's it. That's it, yeah. Justin, I mean, that shot on 17 by Justin Thomas was amazing. That three-wood he hit, you know, Absolutely. he just hit that three-wood. He got a great bounce on the green, and then Zalatoris, it would have been great if he would have been in the bunker. I think it would have been a, a lot easier. The shot would have been easier, but it didn't happen that way, but. Dallas is right there. I mean, he's got a great attitude. He's going to win. He's going to win the tournament. He just says it's right around the corner, and I do believe him. So let's talk about let's talk about the rest of the field. Uh, I already mentioned yes. briefly yes. what a great performance by by Will Zalatoris's college roommate. What I wonder if that's ever happened. Cameron before. Young. That's right. I wonder if that's ever happened before, where college roommates were playing together in the you know last or second to last pairing in a major on a Sunday. That was pretty amazing. Oh, that's right. They're both Wake Forest guys. I wonder if they both get the Arnold Palmer scholarship. They probably, did. Right? They both got the Arnold Palmer scholarship. And uh, they both I, shot 71. So, you know, Young actually had a better ball striking day, right? But just missed the putts. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I like that Cameron Young kid. He's going to be a big time player for the U.S. in all these cups, like a Ryder Cup and a President's Cup. Those bills all are two good players. So it's interesting. Did you? I didn't know this, but I saw on the telecast there there hasn't been a Brit to win the PGA Championship since like 1919. Jeez. Uh, it's amazing, right? Matthew Fitzpatrick had a chance, but he shoots uh, three over 73 to finish tied fifth with Tommy Fleetwood. Who and Chris Kirk, yeah. who had who had great Sundays. Fleetwood shot shoots a three under sixty seven, and Chris Kirk a sixty eight to finish tied fifth. That's a big deal for Chris Kirk to finish. You know, that's a big deal. It really is. Yep. He's been playing well this year, though. Chris Kirk hasn't he? He's back. Remember, he I had, mean, he had, spots, he had right? Alcohol. He was an alcoholic, and and he got alcohol treatment, yeah. and he's playing well again. 
Uh, well again, yeah. Roy McElroy was in the lead after Thursday, shot 65, had a decent round, a 71 on Friday in tough conditions, but was still in contention and then just didn't play well on Saturday, shot a 74 and comes back with a 68. He had a, he had a run of four early birdies. He had four birdies in a row, uh, I think on two, three, four, and five to, you know, if you're a Rory fan like we are, you kind of had your hopes up that Rory might be in, yeah. in position for that fifth major and first one in, what, seven or eight years, but uh, didn't materialize. I mean, you got to think a guy like Rory and Steve. I mean, they want to win more majors, but they really want to create they want that career grand slam, right? I mean, think about it. Those guys are planning to get that career grand slam because, I mean, there are not many players that have that, right? I mean, Justin Thomas, he may get it one day, but he's, he's not only, a Colmar. Co- he's only got one leg. You know, Justin Thomas. He's only got one. Got, yeah. Uh, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about that. Let's talk about that at the end, about the guys now who have multiple majors. Um, okay. Uh, and then the rest of the top 10, you had a tie between Brendan Steele, Tom Hoagie, Abraham Answer, and Seamus Power. So good, good, good performance by Seamus Power getting into the top ten for the first time in a major. Yeah, that's awesome. Come back next year, no matter if he plays bad or whatever. How he plays, so that's great. Uh, tied thirteenth: uh, Cameron Smith, Xander Shoffley, Justin Rose, Tyrell Hatton, uh, Davis Riley, Max Homa, Lucas Herbert. Uh, tied 20th, Taylor Gooch, Sam Burns, Webb Simpson. Tied 23rd, Shane Lowry, uh, Ricky Fowler, Aaron Wise, Lucas Glover, Joaquin Neiman, Kevin Na, uh, Stuart Sink. Uh, so a lot of, lot of good finishes there. Uh, Tony Finau and Bird Beesberger tied 30th. Uh, let's see, Jordan Spieth had a good Sunday to finish tied 34th with, with his buddy Patrick Reed. Uh, Matt Kuchar. They played together? Uh, they did not play together. Okay. Uh, John Rahm, disappointing. Shot 68 on Sunday to finish tie 48th. Uh, he, had, he had a terrible Saturday. Shot 76 on Saturday. I just think he gives up when he's not in contention, right? Yeah. Colin Morikawa and, Brooks, and, and Brooks Kepka, both very disappointing weeks. Uh, tied 55th uh, at 8 over par. Louis Oosthuizen tied 60th with Siwoo Kim uh, and Hideki Matsuyama. Billy Horschel, 68th. And then a lot of guys just flat out missed the cut, right? Um, Most notably, Dustin Johnson misses the cut. Scotty Scheffler misses the cut. Uh, It was a tough course. And if you played that afternoon, morning, you know, you were three or four shots behind. Yeah. I mean, a lot of big guys. Brendan Grace, Harry Higgs, Kevin Kisner, Minwoo Lee, Ryan Palmer, Ian Poulter, all the Henrik Stinson, Christian Benazi, who all the guys missed the cut. Russell Knox, wow. Audubon Lahiri. So I gotta Scotty say Scheffler. So I gotta say, Stacey, you uh you definitely beat me in the predictions. So of the Americans, you had oh. Xander Shoffley, who finished third tied thirteenth, and I had Colin Morikawa, who was not good. You had uh, Cameron Smith, who finished tied 13th in the internationals. I had Hideki, who was not good. And in the Europeans, you had Tommy Fleetwood tied fifth. And I had Shane Lowry, yeah. who was tied 23rd. So, so you, you, wow. you got Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. Three for three. Gotcha. Well, we got, well, US Open's coming up. That'll be even harder. That's going to be a more difficult course, I think, than this one, probably. Yeah. Yeah. The other guy, what's, what's up with Patrick Cantley? Because he was, I don't think he was on the bad side of the draw. I think he was on the good side of the draw and shot 76. He just started 75. off terribly. Yeah. He was not good, right? Not good. He was, he was almost down uh, with, the, with the club pros. Uh, other guys I mean, almost down with the club pros. My guy, Daniel Berger, 73.80. Matthew Wolf, 76.77. Uh, Nikolai Hoygaard. Rasmus didn't play, but Nikolai did. Uh, 76.75. Some some really disappointing scores. Garrett Higo, 74-76. Richard Bland, 74-76. Cameron Champ. Richard Bland. Richard Bland can take that onto the live tour. Yeah. Joel Damon was not good. Corey Connors has not been playing well. Uh Eric von Ryan the Corey Connors. He's still well, he's still in position for the for the international. So uh I mean when Rich Beam, Rich Beam, who who 
can't even play on the senior tour uh, does better than say Adam Scott and Sergio Garcia. You know, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. It really is. Yeah. I mean, that's embarrassing. Do you see that hat? Do you see that dinner? Did I send you that picture? I tweet that picture out, the dinner that they were at. I think I sent it to you. The, the they had with, the PGA champions dinner without Phil. God, did you see Rich Beam in that hat? Oh gosh. What was he thinking? Did you see what Dave Stockton said? What did he say? He basically said they were better off without Phil there. Oh, I don't think so. And what's going to happen with this tour? I mean, what's going to happen to Lips? I don't think, I think that thing's dying on the vine. I think it is too. If, uh, well, we'll see. I mean, London's coming up. Portland's coming up. If, if, at, you know, the, at, at least uh, Pumpkin Ridge got a facelift for the tournament. So yeah, they got a bunch of new stuff. Cal and Nate, my friends that are members, that were telling me they got a whole bunch of stuff, but they don't want the dirty money. But I was like, you guys should just take that money because you don't want to get an assessment to have anything fixed there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So so uh, current standing, Stacey, we'll do that, and then we're, then I want to I want to get you, I want to pick your brain and go over the players right now who have multiple major championship wins, and I want you to tell me who's going to have the most major championship wins of these guys when their careers okay. are over. Uh, and so we won't include the guys with one win, you know, like Bryson and Scotty Scheffler, but we'll include all the guys with multiple wins. So for the president's cup standings for the U S Scotty Scheffler remains number one, but JT jumps up to number two. Cantley, Sam Burns, Jordan Spieth, and Colin Morikawa round out the top six. And then Max Homa had a strong finish. He remains seventh. Xander Shoffley, a good week, eighth. Tom Hoagie, a good week, not, jumps up to nine. Will Zalatoris jumps from way back up to 10th. And then Taylor Gooch and Jason Kokrak uh, get knocked down a peg. Billy Horschel's in 13. Kevin Kisner, 14th. Tony Finau, 15th. Cameron Young moves all the way up to 16th. Uh, ahead of DJ, Cameron Chingale, Russell Henley, Daniel Berger, and uh, Kepka and Bryson remain way back there. Wow. Interesting. For the internationals, uh, no change at the top. Cameron Smith, Hideki Matsuyama, Sumjay M, Joaquin Neiman, Louis Ustazen, and Abraham Answer. Uh, Answer leapfrogs Corey Connors. They've been going back and forth between six and seven for the last couple months. But then Mito Pereira moves all the way up to eighth, uh, followed by KH Lee uh, off of his Byron Nelson win, uh, Eric Von Royen, Adam Scott, and Mackenzie Hughes. And the only other guy who really made a move was uh, Lucas Herbert, who moved up to 17th position from way back. Okay. Well, pretty good. And then finally, the, the Ryder Cup, the U.S. standings for the Ryder Cup. I guess we can, we can mention these now. Scheffler, JT, and Will Zalatoris now in third, followed by Kevin Kisner, Dustin Johnson, Cameron Young, Colin Morikawa, Harold Varner, Chris Kirk moves up. Uh, Brandon Steele moves up, Tom Hoagie, and Max Homa. These are just so preliminary. Uh, and a lot of the guys who you know will be on the team, like Xander Schauffele and, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are way down right now. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Cantley. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know, they, they just started recording these scores. And then on the European side, on European points, John Rahm, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, and Bern Wiesberger. And then on World Points, Rory McElroy, Victor Hovland, Paul Casey, and Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, Shane Lowry, Sergio Garcia, and Victor Perez, with Robert McIntyre, Ian Poulter, Guido Migliozzi, and Justin Rose, uh, and Alex Noren coming up behind. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. President's stuff. I'm really excited about that. I think that the international team is going to be really good. And then, uh, and then I'm also excited about the Ryder Cup. Of course, we're always excited about so there, I, I saw something on, on Twitter that I thought I would, I would uh, bring up talking about which of the guys uh, who have already have multiple majors are most likely to finish or who's going to finish with the most majors over the course of their career. Okay. So let's, let's, let's think about, who has multiple majors at this point. So the leader is Rory. Rory has four majors right now. Yep. And then you have Jordan Spieth, who has three majors. He's, 
Rory, Rory just needs the Masters. He's won the PGA twice, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. Um, Jordan Spieth has won everything but the PGA. He's won one U.S. Open, one Open Championship, and one Masters. Uh, then you Our have power. then you have Brooks Kepka. Well, Bruce Kepka's won four majors as well. He's won two U.S. Opens and right. two PGAs. Uh, you have DJ has won a Masters and a U.S. Open. You have yep. Colin Morikawa, who's now won, uh, who's now won two as well, right? He's won the Open Championship and uh, the PGA, right? PGA at Harden Park, yep. And then you have Justin Thomas has won two PGAs. Are we missing anybody? Justin Rose. Justin Rose. Do we count him or he? Yeah, no, he's, he's only won the two, one. Right? No, just 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 the U.S. Open because he lost in a playoff US to Sergio uh, in the Masters. Adam Scott's only won one, right? Adam Scott's only won one. Jason Day's only won one. Hideki's only won one. I don't think we're missing anyone. So, which of those guys is going to win the most majors? Well, let me think. I mean, at this rate, I'd have to say it's going to be Justin Thomas. I think his game, putting-wise, his moxie, his determination, I think he's the guy. I really do. I mean, I think he might be the best out of all of them in terms of, like, maybe not the best ball striker, but I think he's got the most grit out of all of them. I mean, think about all these. He's always around the lead. He's always like on the leaderboard. He just puts a lot of pressure on himself, but I think he might be the guy. I think he might be the guy to be. He might, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. So the only the only one I think I missed was is technically Bubba Watson, but I don't think Bubba Watson. Watson. I don't think Bubba yeah. Watson is, yeah. is is realistically going to win. I, I could he win another Masters? Yeah, maybe, but but you know he's not going to win yeah. five or six majors. I, I'm I, I would, agree. I wouldn't bet against Colin Morikawa. He has such a repeatable yeah. swing. Um, he is, I think, just as mentally tough as Justin Thomas, although a little cooler, a little, little less hot under the collar. Yep, and he's also true. proven the ability to win uh, at the Open Championship. Because, you know, some yeah. of these guys can't win the Open Championship. Uh, they just yeah, don't have the game for it. And and being able to win the Open Championship is a big, is, you know, it opens things up for you, obviously. But there are guys who play exclusively in the U.S. who just, for whatever reason, don't play well in Lynx golf, and Colin Morikawa clearly can. Yeah. I mean, you would think Brooks Kepka would be able to win another major, the, the Open Championship, the one he hasn't won, the Masters and the Open. You'd think if he stays healthy, he would be able to win. But I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Well, I think the Masters, certainly, because he's been in contention at the Masters before. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, when I think of somebody who wins the Open Championship, I, I, I think of guys like Tom Watson and Seve Ballesteros who are, you know, students of the game and play in a very creative fashion. You know, Tom Watson never overpowered a course uh, yep. and just loved the challenge of playing Lynx golf. Does Brooks Kepka think that way? I don't know. He doesn't, you know, I don't know. maybe because he looks like such no. a meathead, we don't think so, but he actually does. Uh but, well, you know, the way he I talks. think these guys need to lay off the gym. I, I think you look at Tiger. Tiger's as big as he ever been. Brooks Kepka, Bryson, these guys are so big. I think, I think it just wears them down, like on the course. I think their bodies aren't – I think they're just exhausted and they're beat up. They beat their bodies up in the gym, and I think now they come out and try to play golf, and it's just not good. Tiger needs to drop a bunch of muscle. I mean, he's just too big. But he swings with his upper body because he doesn't have any lower body to swing with anymore. But – well, I feel I feel bad. I, don't, I mean, Tiger played, you know, poorly on on Thursday, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't terrible. He missed putts, and then he played really well on Friday. I think he shot a sixty nine on Friday, didn't he? he? Was one under par yeah, I think, on Friday? He, he went did. from four yeah, from four over right. to three over, and especially at the end of the round when he needed to make shots, he made shots. Uh, it was he encouraging. Really did. And then on Saturday. Uh, he was playing, he was okay for like six or seven holes. And then on, I think it was on seven or eight, he 
hit the ball into the rough and tried to hit it, you know, out of the rough. And he clearly tweaked something and he wasn't the same the rest of the round. And it, and it was embarrassing. The rest of the round was like, you know, Willie Mays, you know, playing in the yeah. outfield for, for the, for the Mets. It was Michael Jordan and the wizards. It, it, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And I don't know sad. if he comes back. I mean, sad. I mean, I don't know if he comes back, Richard. I mean, I think he needs a little more time off. I mean, this is, I, I mean, you got to think this guy's his leg is not good. The ankle, the leg, the foot, it's all bad business. And you need that to load, and that's the problem. When they've got a right-handed golfer, you got to load on the right leg. And when you can't load on the right leg, what happens? And no you got to use your upper body. And no matter how good you are, you can't play four competitive tournaments a year and hope to compete. Yeah, exactly. I think you got to go to those Colonials, and you got to go to some of these other tournaments and play a bit because it just gets you golf ready. Right. I mean, I just think that's it. You're right. You just can't play the majors and try to make it. So poor Tiger, but he'll be okay. He'll, he'll make it back. Do you know, do you know who has the third most major wins at all time? Third most major wins of all time. Let me guess. Uh, Every, you know, any even casual golf fans know Jack Nicholas and then Tiger Woods. Yeah. Uh, it would be Walter Hagen. Walter Hagen. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah, Walter Hagen, yeah. Walter Gary Hagen, Player, then Gary, Walter, Gary Player yeah. and Ben Hogan have nine. Ben Hogan. And then Tom Watson, eight. And then what a group at seven. Harry Varden, Bobby Jones, Arnold Palmer, Gene Sarazen, and Sam Sneed. What a group. Nick Faldo has six. Nick wow. Faldo. Trevino yeah. had six. Nick Faldo, I think, probably has the greatest ratio of majors to regular tournament wins of anybody because he seemed to just be – great in the majors and and you know he was he was a great golfer but he seemed to be just better in the majors he was better in the majors huh? yeah. interesting yeah that's a great list and 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 of course, was amazing. Phil, Phil, Phil Phil Mickelson was six as well after after his you know amazing win Iron Nelson Phil Mickelson Debbie Downstairs Peter Thompson just kept that wow yep good list well I, I Mar senior had a lot well, uh, next week there are no other tournaments this week. Uh, everybody, all the other no tours, other tournament. all the other tours took the week off, and next next week they're going back to Texas, right? They go back to Texas, yeah. The Charles, back to Texas. Charles Schwab Challenge. Yep, Charles Schwab Challenge, and then after that, it heats up, right? They're going to uh, Memorial Stars, right? When's Memorial? Yep. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Charles Schwab's Challenge, see. which is in Fort Worth, followed yep. by... Uh, by the Memorial. Yep. June 3rd, the weekend of June 3rd. Then the Canadian Open is going to... The Canadian Open is June 9th through the 12th, and then the U.S. Open is 16th through 9th, Father's Day, Father's Day weekend. Always Father's Day. Yeah, always Father's Day. Yeah, so that's it. And well, then we got a couple... Before, of then, before then, we have... Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. If anybody really cares, I don't. I don't watch that like I watch. Yeah. And what I'm I thought I might do, you know, it always interests me. I, you know, just kind of as as a as a bit of a nerd, of course. Um, where people, where where these players come from, and kind of emerging countries, and the fact that Mito Pereira kind of elevated the the golf um, resume of Chile. Uh, and in yeah. the past, if you looked at South American countries, you'd say that Argentina was, has been the the principal country for South uh, American golf. I mean, uh, Roberto Vicenzo, uh, Angel Cabrera, Andres Romero. Angel Cabrera, I think he's in jail. He is in jail. But but you know yeah. those are those are you know major champions. Those are great golfers. Uh, and you know Chile has not been a golfing country. Just like similarly yeah. for for Europe. You, uh, Norway has not been a golfing country, but now you have Victor Hovland. Austria has not been a golfing country, but now you have uh, Bernd Fiesberger and Sepp Straka. So I thought what I would do, uh, and I, hopefully I'll do it for next week, is look at, look at the President's Cup rosters from the international side and see how the trends have gone. I, you know, Initially, the international countries who have dominated are South Africa, and Australia, and those are the traditional great golfing countries. You have, you know, the greats, Gary yep. Player, Greg Norman, you know, world number ones. Uh, but we, we're, I, I think, I think 
we're seeing more and more players from outside of those two countries. If you go back and think yeah. about think about you know the the eighties and nineties, you know Nick Price came from uh, Zimbabwe, uh, but it's kind of a similar you know demographic situation to South Africa. It's a country that what at one point was kind of an apartheid country run by you know by you know a, a white minority. Eventually, the country. Uh, uh, it was Rhodesia at the time, and, and now it's Zimbabwe, and it's and it's appropriately run by the by the majority. Uh, but you know, yeah, we think about be, Canada, Canada with Mike Weir, South American countries, the occasional Mexican, and then the, the emergence of golfers from the Far East. Uh, and so, what I wanted to do was take a dive into where uh, the competitors were coming from in the International Cup, and have the percentages of you know, considering South South African and Australian golfers in kind of one block as one percentage, the traditionalists versus everybody else in the other block and seeing if the percentages of, of, of golfers from those countries versus the newer countries has changed over the years. Yeah, that's a good, that's, that's really good. Yeah. All right. Well, we have that to look forward to, but until then, I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Any, any last, any yep. last thoughts? No, I mean, I just, I, I love the, I love the major championships. I get geek for the major championships. I love like what people are listening to, what people are saying. I like watching the tournament. I just love it all. It's the best time of the year. And I can't wait to the next U.S. Open. I can't wait to the uh, Jack tournament. I can't wait to the, the Open Championship. So I'm getting excited. All right. So in honor of uh, Justin Thomas uh, standing and delivering here, I'm going to take you out with Adam Ant, stand and deliver. And we will talk to you next week. Talk to everyone next week.